This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Little Tuesday scoop session and maybe some reckless speculation. Maybe some reckless speculation. Darren Doogie Wolfson from the 5 Eyewitness News Sports Department. You can find his scoop podcast feed as well anywhere you find podcasts. He joins us Tuesdays and Thursdays on Minnesota Sports with Mackie and Judd for some inside information and speculation about your favorite Minnesota sports teams. Dukes, what's going on, man? We got snow on the ground. We got the Vikings back after a bye. Timberwolves are still the best team in the Western Conference. It's a fun time to be alive right now. It is a good time. Hello, Phil. Hello, Judd. Hello, Declan. Yes, snow on the ground, although I was catching up with former Wolves center Cole Aldrich. So the Wolves are like almost at the 25% mark of the season. So I wanted to do a podcast getting some different perspectives on, hey, thoughts on the Wolves through the 25% mark of the season. So Cole Aldrich pays attention, lives here in town. So I said, hey, what about Thursday morning? So you guys, what, 10 a.m.-ish? I thought, hey, I'll have a window like 10.30 on Thursday morning. Cole, Mr. Meteorologist, says, hey, it's going to be 55 degrees here in the Twin Cities yeah. <laughs> on Thursday. I'll be out, like, biking, like, literally biking with my kids. So can we do a different Just a seven-foot monster biking through ah. the Twin Cities. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. In a posh West Metro neighborhood. Yeah. So yes. anyway, yeah, snow on the ground. Oh, awesome. But a reminder, the snow will be gone in just a couple of days. <laughs> so with that being said, Doogie, we now have the forecast done. Uh, let's talk about the Wolves as a, a whole. First of all, what's the expectation on Ant's absence? Is, is this going to, to be, as has been speculated, pretty short-term? Can we expect him back this week? Yes, definitely short-term. Let's see how he gets through practice today. Then they will make some sort of game declaration for tomorrow. Now, maybe he's in the questionable category. They'll wait and see just how he feels tomorrow morning. But keep in mind, tomorrow night, Target Center, Wemby, National television. Let's Remember go. how the Wolves didn't get all these national TV games? Yes. Well, this one was added. The Wolves okay. are on ESPN tomorrow night. I can promise you Anthony Edwards is well aware that tomorrow night is a nationally televised game. So if I had to bet because of that, because he has been trending in the right direction, still some soreness, right? So, again, let's see how he gets through today's practice. It's a rare two-day stretch of practices for the Wolves, right, then let's see how he wakes up tomorrow morning. But, yes, I would not be shocked if he ends up playing on national television tomorrow night. 
It is kind of, and by the way, the, the Spurs have lost 14 consecutive games coming into this thing. They're three and 16. So um, ordinarily, it's funny leading into this season, you'd be nervous about games like that. But they've kind of shown you the end of that Charlotte game. You know, Kyle and I were talking on Flagrant Halls yesterday. He said, I let my old Wolves PTSD slip in with about four minutes to go. And he said he turned to his wife. They were watching the game on the couch. He goes, it's over. Yeah, they're going to lose this game. And they, and that's it's amazing to say this, but one of the biggest steps forward they've taken so far this year is just winning the games they're supposed to win. Even if they're not playing their best basketball, even if in the case of these last couple of games, their two best perimeter defenders in Jade McDaniels and Anthony Edwards are not playing. They've just found a way to do the business-like thing, the mature thing, Doogie, and win a game against Charlotte when you're losing with four minutes to go. Yeah, I mean, I get Kyle's PTSD. I mean, they lose that game, Phil. Tell me if you disagree, but to me, they lose that game on Saturday in Charlotte yes. as recently as last year. They lost all those games against the bottom feeders of the league. They led the NBA last year in technical fouls. So we talk about a maturation taking place, right? Yeah, there's the occasional tech, right? But like they're not leading the NBA in technical fouls again this year. And yeah, just in terms of results, finding a way when they're not playing their best basketball. We've seen it. I mean, they have 15 wins. Of the 15 wins, how many would you say they played A-minus basketball or A-basketball? Six. A few. Yeah, a few. Yeah, maybe even closer to six or seven. But that means there's like seven to eight wins where it's been like B, B B-minus, C-plus, C, perhaps even C-minus, yet they have found a way to win. It's been a favorable schedule. Let's not forget that, right? Whether – you know, benefiting from the opponent not having maybe its best player or one of its best players. Like, hey, the Celtics win was fantastic. But watching the Celtics the last couple weeks, Derek White is so good. Derek White did not play in that game. Now, the Wolves' comeback is, hey, we lost to Toronto. Jaden McDaniels did not play. We lost in Atlanta. Jaden McDaniels was on a minutes restriction, right? So it goes both ways. But Outside of the Phoenix game, remember they played in Golden State the night before, then went to Phoenix, got blown out. That's the only game in the first 11 weeks of the season where the Wolves have the schedule disadvantage. That will start to catch up second half of the season. But some of the opponents will also get, in theory, easier, right? They still get the Wizards a couple times. They still get the Pistons a couple times. So the schedule will ease but they will be playing more back-to-backs where the opponent isn't also playing a back-to-back second half of the year. So a credit to the Wolves. They recognized this. I remember talking with Glenn Taylor a couple days before the season opener. He said, hey, there's this heavy emphasis on a fast start. He didn't go like way into the weeds on that, but I'm now I'm starting to understand what he meant by that, that the schedule, you know, they do all these schedule studies. They knew this first 11 weeks, the schedule was incredibly favorable. So they are doing what they envisioned doing. But, hey, at this point, there's no reason to slow down. I'm telling you, like this time last year when Denver started to really take off, even this time last year, did anybody really think Denver was going to be the one seed in the Western Conference? The Wolves won't admit this publicly, but they, I'm telling you, they mirror a lot of, you know, what Denver does, including looking at how Denver just took off from the beginning of the season and carried it all the way through. The entire season last year, the Wolves have their eyes 
on that game plan doesn't mean the Wolves are about to hoist the Larry O'Brien trophy in June. But you get the idea that the Wolves say, okay, we're not into load management. These guys are going to play. Look at what Denver did last year. One seed from about, what, the second week of the season on. I mean, I don't know if Denver ever gave up the one spot. I don't think so. One seed for, if it wasn't like 82 games, it was, you know, 75 games or whatever it was. Denver was Mm -hmm. in that one spot for most, if not all, of last year. The Wolves look at that and say, okay, why can't that be us this year? I think the most impressive thing, too, with this team is not just, I mean, this team has been talented or had talent for a while. I think the thing that stands out to me is the absolute maturity and ability to handle things that we didn't see for years and years, right? Because, like, part of what, part of these close games is a maturity and an ability not to get frazzled, not to get upset, uh, not to, to your point, Dukes, take text. In fact, I saw something where I think it was in preseason practices. Um, Chris Finch would call technicals on players. So like, it was like, I love that. if you're going to melt down, I'm going to call a technical and we're going to go through this, which actually, you know, sounds funny, but it's pretty damn smart. It's but genius. I think it's the, I think it's the, the maturity. And the last piece that we've seen, in my opinion, is this cat, like the last two and a half, three weeks, cat's been fantastic. And part of that is, is, you know, post that Boston game, he settled down and he is now doing exactly what you want him to do without it being a drama. So I really think it's an, and an, I credit Conley a lot. I, I think Mike Conley's done a great job there, but the overall ability of this team to process that they didn't really have for, for years, I think is what I think it's the difference between being a talented team that often doesn't win and being a talented team that reaches where it probably should be. Well, yes, let's piggyback on Mike Conley Jr. Because he does deserve a lot of credit. I hope he's here for the next couple of years, free agent after the year. The Wolves could negotiate an extension right now if they wanted to. And, yes, there is interest in keeping Mike Conley Jr. beyond this year. But continuing to date, there just hasn't been any dialogue on an extension, even though they can negotiate an extension in season. But, yes, you think about Rudy Gobert, others. We've talked about this, the adult in the room. You think about this time last year. D'Angelo Russell, Rudy Gobert. We thought that pick and roll would work magnificently. It did not. There was zero chemistry. Now, hey, we're learning more and more that Gobert was fighting some injuries last year. Mm -hmm. Like, he was hurt, right? Whether it was playing for France, you know, entering training camp, beating up his body that way. But Rudy Gobert, this time last year, was not 100% healthy. I don't know, you know, how to necessarily quantify where he was at, but I don't even think it was like 90 or 85%. I think it was closer to 60 to 65%. He was fighting some stuff. But that two-man game, D'Lo Gobert, did not work. Gobert thinks the world of Mike Conley Jr. You talk to people in Memphis. You talk to people in Utah. Best of luck finding anybody to say a bad word about Mike Conley Jr. He is such a difference maker. And as long as he can stay healthy, knock on whatever, right, at 36 years old, so far so good. As long as he can stay healthy, I'm telling you, there's no reason to think, you know, the Wolves can't maintain this sort of status. Yeah, inevitably there will be, you know, some sort of losing streak where they dip a little bit. Does Phoenix rise up? Does Denver rise up? Heck, New Orleans is finally its healthiest in a while. I watched a good amount of New Orleans-Sacramento last night. I'll tell you what, New Orleans 
goes a legit 12 to 13 players deep. They are really good when fully healthy, right? And, hey, the Western Conference isn't slowing down. Even if you're the one seed, you may match up against New Orleans in the first round of the playoffs, or you may match up against Golden State, or, heck, the Clippers. I get it. The Clippers are a dumpster fire so far with James Harden. But could you imagine the one seed Wolves against the eight seed Clippers in April? James Harden, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. It'd be a sweep. There would be some fear there. Yeah, it probably should be. Based on what we've seen so far, yes, the Wolves should win that series four games to zero. But I'm just saying, you think about those three, and you start thinking, well, maybe, right? I mean, that's no guarantee of the one just moving on past the eight seed. The point is, it'll come down to matchups. But in terms of the regular season, this 82 games, right? And, hey, look at this week. Instead of the Wolves playing like New Orleans last night, they get San Antonio tomorrow at Memphis on Friday. Still no John Moran plus all the other guys. Memphis is missing. What a schedule gift this week for the Wolves. You think about these two games, right? They count toward the 82, right? How much these two games could matter. Are the Wolves the one seed or the two seed by a game or two? If they are, I think we'll point back to tomorrow and Friday, this is me presuming the Wolves find a way to win these two games. Yeah. I'm going to put a speculative quarter in Doogie here. Reckless speculation. It's almost trade season in the NBA. The, the Wolves are I mean, really the only guy that hasn't joined the party from a non-injury standpoint. It's probably Shake Milton. And I, I still feel like if you give him some time, he was really impactful with Philadelphia. So I, I would give that a little bit more time. But as you kind of look ahead the next you. couple yeah. months, is there a trade that makes sense here? I mean, everything is going so well for them. You don't want to upset anything too much. So is there a trade that makes sense for the Wolves in the next couple months? Yeah, well, it'll ramp up here in a couple of weeks when guys like Shake Milton, guys that signed contracts in the summer, become trade eligible. That's mid-December. So this second, guys who signed in the summer can't be traded. So mm-hmm. that's why trade season really ramps up mid-December. But most action takes place closer to the February deadline. Well, if you look at the Wolves' needs, possibly backup point guard slash a three-point shooter. So then you think about, okay, well, they've had previous interest in Monty Morris, who's been hurt, but he'll be back for Detroit. In fact, he might even be back now. I haven't looked at box scores the last couple games. But Monty Morris, that's not a season-long type injury, right? Tim Connolly had Monty in Denver. Detroit is going to sell assets, right? Well, they have Alec Burks. They have Bogdanovich. Now, Bogdanovich makes a lot of money. Heck, Burks makes decent money. So the question, Phil, is how do you make the money work? Right. Right. Let's say you can find a way to complete a trade for a shooter like that. Heck, you know, this front office, you know, they're still fans of Tyus Jones, right? What's his future? He would be such a great compliment to Mike Conley. I mean, he's the ultimate fit, right? Because he's such a good three-point shooter, right? But then, you know, he's your sixth-slash-seventh man. Like, he would play a lot of minutes. But would you have to give up like like a Kyle Anderson for him? Or could you – because you're not going to get – he he isn't expiring, I guess, so – He is. Well, I mean, you'd have to give up. A Leonard Miller, right? You'd have to give up multiple young assets. Yeah. Are you or, or a three-way deal where you send, you know, they get the draft pick kicked back from a third team. But, yeah, but then who are you sending out? But then I don't think you're moving Kyle Anderson. I mean, think about it when the Wolves go to a zone. I mean, they've played yeah. a decent amount of zone defense. 
Kyle Anderson is a key cog in the zone defense. Just everything he can do, right? I mean, we've heard this before. Swiss Army knife. You're not moving Kyle Anderson. I get it. He's a free agent after the year. It's going to be tough to retain all these guys. You're probably going to lose one of these guys, whether it's via trade or Kyle or perhaps Mike Conley Jr. via free agency. So I get it. But I don't think you're moving Kyle Anderson. So to me, Phil, it's Shake Milton, right, to make some money work. But then you need to give up multiple young assets. So, you know, can you sell somebody like Detroit on Josh Minot, on Wendell Moore Jr., on Leonard Miller, who continues to look really, Dude, really good? Le- Leonard Miller in the is, G League. I think he's going to be a rotation guy. Yeah. I would agree as soon as next year. Yeah. Yes. Remember, he played in the G League last year. So, him dominating the G League, you know, shouldn't come as some sort of like huge shock. He was a top 35 pick for a reason. But yes. Leonard Miller is absolutely an NBA player. Give him minutes, like regular minutes, as soon as next year. So could you sell another team on, I suppose, then Moore Jr., Minot, you know, Milton to make some money work, right? It starts to get difficult. But when you're looking at positional need, we're talking perhaps backup point guard, maybe more so, you know, a three-point shooter. But that could be the same guy. Like Tyus fits that mold. Right. So there are other examples of guys who fit that mold. Then, hey, this front office has had previous interest in Alex Caruso. What will the Bulls do? Hmm. Now, Alex is more a lockdown defender. That would just elevate. If you feel like you're top five defense, that solidifies you as a top five defense. Plus, he's been really clutch this year. So you feel good about him being on the court crunch time. If he gets an open look from three, you feel good about him making that shot. But Chicago right now is looking for a first-round pick. I don't know if they'll ultimately get a first-round pick, but I just don't know if I can find a match for Alex Caruso. To me, it makes sense for Chicago to move him. I just don't know if I can find the exact match with the Wolves. But Tim Connolly, Matt Lloyd, those guys, they're going to work the phones. They realize there's a window here, and if they can upgrade the bench, they are going to do that. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Dukes, uh, speaking of, of some Tuesday reckless speculation, which we uh, certainly do more of on Thursday, let's switch to the Vikings because I have seen speculation that the Vikings are going to start Joshua Dobbs, give him at least one more chance to start Sunday against the Raiders in Vegas. What's the update there? And um, are, are you hearing the same thing? which I believe was first speculated on recklessly by Diana Russini of The Athletic on Sunday, who I think clearly has a pipeline into TCO Performance Center. Yes, she does. In fact, I feel confident who that specific pipeline is. I don't need to divulge who that is. But, yes, credit to her. She's a bulldog. Heck, she was in Egan during training camp. I mean, she made the rounds, right? So she does have a a very good connection inside TCO Performance Center. So. Yeah. yeah, she was the first person to speculate that. Yeah, it would not surprise me. I'll tell you this much. One person close to Dobbs told me, hey. Now, I get it when this person is telling me, yeah, Dobbs is preparing as if he's starting Sunday yeah. in Las Vegas. Because if you're told today or 
tomorrow morning, hey, you're not the guy. It's easier to come off, you know, from preparing as opposed to having the mindset, oh, I'm not playing on Sunday, than trying to rise up. So I get it when somebody close to Dobbs is telling me, hey, yes, he's preparing as if he is starting Sunday against the Raiders. I am surprised, right? We talked about this maybe more so last Thursday, not Tuesday. But when Kevin O'Connell a week ago today, so he had all these hours to think about the loss to Chicago eight days ago. Slept on it, met with us on Tuesday afternoon, one o'clock-ish. So many, many hours later. In that moment, Judd, he had every opportunity to say, hey, I am sticking with Josh Dobbs. He did not. He went on and on about the turnovers, how the turnovers are killing them. He also touched on the idea that, hey, we need to consider the quarterback that gives Justin Jefferson, who will be back, the best chance at success. Now, we can have a healthy debate about that. Is the answer to that question Dobbs or is it Mullins? Right? I mean, it's not like any of them, accuracy-wise, are Kirk Cousins. We get that, right? So we could have a healthy debate. Hey, the quarterback that gives Justin Jefferson the best chance at success is actually Josh Dobbs. We've known, based on the Wilfs wanting to make the playoffs, it's not just the Wilfs. There's a lot of people in Egan Mm -hmm. that are like, hey, we want to make the playoffs. Even after the Cousins Achilles injury, we are still all about making the playoffs. Let's see if we can make a run in January. So, to me, it was logical. It wasn't going to be the rookie, Jaron Hall. So then it was always down to Dobbs v. Mullins. Now, Mullins is back. I'm told it's fine. Like I told you, uh, you know, six, eight weeks ago, this was not a long-term injury. He wasn't going to be in a position to start like November 12th against New Orleans, but that the back was okay. But yes, I would not be surprised at this point based on steam from the last 24 to 36 hours that it will be Josh Dobbs on Sunday against Vegas. Yeah. It seems to make some sense, too, that, you know, after you take a deep breath, and I'm saying this for myself, too, because I told you guys on uh, Vikings Hottest Takes Tuesday last week that I'm good. I don't need to see any more Josh Dobbs after that performance, but give him another game with Justin Jefferson, see what it looks like, and then it's then it's easy if he plays poorly now. Okay, now it's Nick Mullins, and you move forward the rest of the month with with Nick Mullins, right? I mean, that that seems like the logical sort of level-headed thing to do. Yeah, I mean, I understand it. Hey, give him a chance with the best receiver in the game. Let's see how much that helps, Josh. Hey, from a game plan standpoint, we touched on this last Tuesday, mm-hmm. that Bears game plan, it felt like Kevin O'Connell thought Kirk Cousins was the quarterback, not Josh Dobbs, so that Kevin O'Connell can say, okay, I did not have the best night on November 27th. There's more I can do to help Josh Dobbs. So, yes, I understand all of that. I just wonder, and I don't even have this answer. Phil, you've probably done a deeper dive on this than I have. But does Nick Mullins, from an accuracy standpoint, fitting a ball into a tight window, is he better than Josh Dobbs? Or am I a prisoner of the moment thinking about Dobbs's issues against the Bears, missing on so many throws? Plus, hey, in Denver, mm-hmm. I thought he missed on a number of throws. So going back two games, am I a prisoner of the moment thinking from an accuracy standpoint, you just can't run back with Dobbs, that it does make sense to move to Mullins. I think we're going to see far more of a, a game plan, though, uh, to backtrack on what you said earlier, Dukes, it with that's going to fit Dobbs' style. Yes, I agree. I, yes. I, I think O'Connell yeah. had time to reflect on the fact that his play calling against the Bears w- was not great, and then to extrapolate on saying that, that he has to get the best 
quarterback possible for Jefferson. I think he also thought through, but what if I call plays better? So, and, and O'Connell is a reflective guy. Like he is, he is a self-aware dude. So he's not going to, to say I had a great game. Screw Josh Dobbs. So I think what you just said is the most important thing, which is what can I do? And at the end of the day, here's the thing that Jefferson's going to bring. I don't care what his box score looks like on Sunday. What he's going to bring you is this. He's going to draw double-team attention from the Raiders. So all of a sudden, now Addison becomes potentially more effective. Osborne, Powell, Hawkinson. I go through the whole line. So, like, there's a lot of reasons. The more you think about this, if O'Connell does tweak things, there is a lot more reasons now to give Dobbs one last chance if you call a game that makes more sense for Joshua Dobbs. Absolutely. And you think about, like, okay, Dobbs is in there on Sunday. Okay, well, the Raiders, Antonio Pierce, they're going to have somebody spy Dobbs, right? Because he's such a threat with his legs. How much does that open up the middle of the field for a guy like TJ Hawkinson? That the highs with Dobbs trump anything that Mullins could bring? Yeah, the lows are rock bottom. And maybe Mullins doesn't approach those lows. But, hey, our best chance at success, if we are going to make some sort of run in January – it's probably more so with Dobbs at quarterback, not Nick Mullen. So, yes, yeah. from that standpoint, Phil, as you process all of that, think all of that through, that's where I guess it does make logical sense. You run it back with Dobbs. Hey, in a second here, we want to hear about your sit-down with uh, with a wide-open book, Dean Evason, from a few days ago. But a shout-out to our friends at Zero Res who are here to help you not have an embarrassingly dirty home during the holiday gatherings, okay? I love a clean house, personally. And uh, I know a lot of you, especially now there's snow on the ground, you're tracking snow in, you're tracking whatever else in. Who knows what Judd's tracking into his house. You got dogs, kids. I don't talk about it. Judd's just peeing in the corner. We don't even know what's happening. That's, okay. That's, that's terrible. But that's where Zero Res can help you out here. A 4.9 out of 5 rating on Google with over 17,000 reviews. Call Zero Res today for the Score North special. Get three rooms zero resified starting at just $129. And this month, get $75 off when you get your air ducts cleaned as well. 952-ZERO-RES or ZEROResMinnesota.com. You can help out the show when you get a hold of them and say you want the Score North special. Spell it forward or backwards. It spells the same. Zero Res. So uh, old Dino came in pretty relaxed into the old Channel 5 studios and... He was pretty honest about some stuff, it sounds like. A couple cocktails there? I I mean, my God, it looked like the bar was open in the in the studios. You and Dino sipping a few. It was fun. I mean, I wish we would have seen that side of Dean Evason yeah. before. And I get it. These guys are so wrapped up in the day-to-day grind that it's hard for them to truly show their personality. But I thoroughly enjoyed it. Heck, I think I had more fun off camera than on camera. I mean, we talked 20-ish minutes on camera, we spent 30 minutes off camera just going through some stuff. Not even just hockey, just some life stuff, right? I wish we would have seen that. Now, hey, he led, correct me if I'm wrong in this, Judd, statistically speaking, now I get it, the best season in franchise history was when they made the unbelievable run to the Western Conference Finals, all right? But from a point standpoint, correct me if I'm wrong, the last two years, the two best seasons in franchise history, do I have that right? I think you do, yeah. All right, so, I mean, he can claim that, right? Like, he can own that. 
Now, yeah. hey, he understands why he was fired. Doesn't mean he agrees with it, but in his words, like you guys told me last week, hey, make sure you ask him, did he lose the locker room? Well, I did present him that question. Now, he doesn't feel like he lost the locker room to you know shorten the answer, right? He felt like he pushed literally every button. He screamed. He coddled. He switched lines. Bottom line, his goalies let him down. Really, I mean, that was, I think, one thing that maybe came up more so off camera than on. He just told me, he goes, you know, you do the homework on this, but look at the goals we have given up. Then look at those shot opportunities, whatever the analytics, Declan, you probably know about this when it comes to hockey analytics. They had the worst goals saved above expected during his tent, during this season before he got fired. It was the worst in the NHL. Okay, so how many of those shots Mm -hmm. did Gus, did Flurry stop last year? that they didn't stop for Dean this year. Really, I mean, can we just kind of boil it down to that? We can nitpick, even more so than nitpick, slam the play of the D-men, right? Others, the forwards, not playing much defense. But bottom Mm -hmm. line, his goalies really, really let him down. They really did. I think he'll have a chance to coach again. In fact, I'm pretty sure he was locking in pretty closely he noted he watched the John Hines introductory news conference, right? So a lot of coaches would, you know, escape stuff like that. He watched the entire John Hines introductory news conference. By the way, he was on board with bringing John Hines here in the summer. He was all about, I'm okay with John being an assistant coach because, hey, he saw the writing on the wall, right? When you lose again in the first round, the pressure was going to be ramped up no matter what. So, hey, John is a good coach. If he can help us, help me, why wouldn't I want to bring him in? Now, hey, if you want to disagree with that, but he seemed pretty dang forthright about that. Like I was trying to read body language. Like I'm thinking, Dean, are you really telling me the truth? I think he legitimately was telling me the truth. That he was fine with John Hines coming in this summer. There were other powers in play there that led John to not accepting the wild assistant coaching job. But he was all about that. But, like, I really just really, really enjoyed the conversation. But I'll tell you what, like, I think he was locked in pretty closely on that Ottawa-Columbus game on Friday. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out, okay, the NHL goes through coaches left and right. Edmonton's already changed coaches this year. The Wild, who is next? Will it be Ottawa? Will it be San Jose? Will it be Columbus? But, like... Dean is going to watch those games. John had mentioned, you know, going back a few weeks, you know, he was watching the Wild, right? Just thinking, you know, maybe there is that possibility. Well, Dean is all about watching teams that he could coach. He's all about coaching as soon as possible. Yeah, he's going to go see his mom up in Canada, spend some time with his wife, right? He's going to see the family. But, like, if the phone rings tomorrow, he's going to answer. He wants to coach again as soon as possible. Yeah. Hey, dudes, let's go through a couple minutes of rapid-fire final scoops. What else do you have in your bag for us today? Sure. Well, leftover on the Wolves, we're still a little ways away on Jaden McDaniels and Jordan McLaughlin. Now, of the two, McLaughlin might be back before Jaden. Like, it's not going to be this week. Neither will play tomorrow. Neither will play on Friday. We can reassess this time next week. But it still might be a couple weeks for Jaden. Jordan? Maybe more so 7 to 10 to 14 days, but the Wolves are definitely getting healthier. I did do a little digging on what took place with Ethan Kaliak-Manis 
And so the Gophers quarterback enters the transfer portal. Well, as recently as before the Purdue game, he was row the boat, Sky Yuma, all on board. So what changed? Well, they got their ass kicked in West Lafayette, which, hey, Purdue is rock bottom. So when you lose that game, you then become, and the way they lost, you become rock bottom. But there were some public words. I don't know how many people were in the room, but there was a heated conversation, well, more so a one-sided conversation, where PJ was pointing out stuff about Ethan in front of others that really soured Ethan on his situation here. Plus, if you look at Ethan's situation, three offensive coordinators in three years, his receivers, you know, top three in FBS and drops. Yeah, he made plenty of mistakes, but it seemed like like those with the Gophers were trying to pin like literally everything Mm. on him. He was willing to accept enough blame, but I think he was struggling with literally all the blame being thrown his way. And he wasn't promised before he announced he was entering the portal. He was not promised. He asked, hey, am I good to go to start the bowl game? Behind the scenes, he was not told, hey, you're 100% a lock to start the bowl game. And so, you know, combination of a bunch of that stuff. So the Gophers bring in the New Hampshire transfer. I texted with him. Max Brosmer, he commits. He visited here over the weekend. You look at his numbers in FCS, as good as it gets. He's up for the player of the year, the Heisman Trophy in FCS. but. There are so many quarterbacks in the portal. Like, if you had to rank all the quarterbacks in the portal, Brosmer is probably not top 15. There are just mm-hmm. so many guys, right? Just even yesterday, the Oklahoma starting quarterback enters. The Ohio State starting quarterback. The Kansas State starting quarterback is in. The Arizona State starting quarterback is so in. Confusing. The Duke yeah. starting quarterback is in. There are so many quarterbacks, Texas A&M, there are so many quarterbacks that have played a lot of Power 5 football in the portal that it's hard to rank New Hampshire guy top 15. But then, hey, if you're one of those guys that has Power 5 experience, why exactly would you come play in this offense? So all things considered, I think the Gophers did pretty darn good mm-hmm. to get Rosemer. He did have a chance coming out of high school to be a preferred walk-on for his home state Georgia Bulldogs. So you're wondering why he ended up in New Hampshire. There was some preferred walk-on interest, you know, with Georgia – with some other Power 5 programs, but he wanted to play. He saw a pathway to playing at New Hampshire, and all he's done while at New Hampshire was completely obliterate, like, all these school records and just, you know, touchdown pass after touchdown pass, you know, completion after completion. So I'm just saying all things considered, considering the Gopher situation, they did pretty good getting Max Brosmer. Yeah. Great scoop session here today, boys. Great stuff here, Dukes. And I'd love to tell you I have some Twins news. Crickets. Yeah. Really. like. They didn't engage Emilio Pagan, which I get, but like they literally didn't have a conversation. Slow going in free agency. People have asked me, hey, are the Twins in on Reese Hoskins? Well, yeah, okay, the Twins have a great relationship with his agent, but like there's way, way more teams engaged on Reese Hoskins. Like, okay, you know, seed planted. You know, the Twins have planted some seeds. I told you last week there was, you know, perhaps a a seed planted on Luis Severino. Well, it's not like the Twins went down any sort of pathway to offering him a contract, trying to get that deal done. Just very, very slow going. But they've held enough trade talks where you would think at some point one of these talks becomes action. That Whether it's Kepler, Polanco, Farmer, certainly those three, but they're open-minded on some other guys. But, you know, I've mentioned going back weeks, the Mariners, right? Well, now there's a new report. 
you know, the Mariners have interest in Kepler. Well, they've also inquired about Polanco, right? So is there a potential match with the Mariners? Do the Blue Jays not get Otani? Do they not re-sign Matt Chapman? Okay, well, then the Blue Jays are very much open for business, maybe more so on Polanco. But, you know, I keep an eye on, on the Blue Jays as well. I still wonder about the Brewers. Sure, the Twins have checked in on some of these available starting pitchers, you know, on the trade front. They literally wouldn't be doing their job if they didn't. But it's just it's been slow going. Now, all it takes is one new conversation, one new phone call. Things can change quickly. But right now, really, really slow. Yeah, it's I'll also add, by the way, as I'm emptying out the uh, the scoop bag, I'm reminded, thinking through some stuff in my head, that, okay, congratulations to my younger son's assistant basketball coach, Corey Provis, on getting elevated <laughs> to Twins TV play-by-play guy. Yes. That was always the plan. It was in Corey's hands, okay, do I want to do this or do I not want to do this? But he was always choice number one. Probably shouldn't be a surprise. He is so good mm-hmm. at what he does. And once Corey said yes... The Twins did not do any sort of external search to fill Corey's position on the radio side. So once Corey said yes, it was okay, Chris Atterbury has paid his dues. Let's elevate. Chris has called a number of games going back years. Let's elevate Chris Atterbury. So this was all done internally. Yep. Love it, man. We awesome are a stuff, pro Corey Provis show here, Dukes. Thanks for coming on. Great, great scoop session. Yep. yep. Okay, boys. Right. I'll see you on Thursday. Yep. We'll talk to you yep. Thursday Bye. again. There it is. Some inside information, some reckless speculation about your favorite Minnesota sports teams here. Minnesota sports with Mackie and Judd.